God bless each one of you this morning. Thankful to be here with you. You know, I think of, and I couldn't help but think of it through Sunday school, the Shunammite woman losing her son. I was thinking about this 22-year-old that died yesterday morning. Um, and thinking about Israel, thinking about all the things that happened that were never prepared for cancer. Um, we never know when something disastrous strikes. And uh, I was just uh, marveled at the Shunammite woman of her faith and uh, her reaching out to God in the time of, of uh, real difficulties. And certainly that's a place to go and it's hard when those things happen. So, and we can never really prepare for them. Um, yeah, anyway, that's not my subject today. <clears throat> I want to go back to the James chapter 4 and the last part of it. <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 11. I think we went through verse 10 last time. <clears throat> I'll start at 11. I'm looking at the last part of that. I know God gave me a good night of rest, and so I feel pretty good today. Grateful for that. Um, James chapter 4, verse 11. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou wilt judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judges another? Go to now that say... Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell, and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. For that we ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Years ago, um, Eric Burney wrote a bestseller titled, Games People Play, and I titled my message, Letting It Rest in God. <clears throat> Could be a lot of different titles. But Bernie wrote a, a book, Games That People Play. In that particular book, he exposed the subtle ways that people manipulate others uh, without their awareness of what's happening. Three years later, a parallel book, Games Christians Play 
took readers behind the scenes of Christian, the Christian community to reveal the games played beneath a religious veneer. And I think that's prevalent in our day. Um, we may not bump into it a lot. I don't know if you, some of the things uh, that I thought about and read about uh, come true. For example, have you ever encountered the, when you've been a Christian as long as I have, then, you know, you got it together. That sort of a game that's played. Uh, maybe the favorite ploy is putting others down by subtle displaying their own superior knowledge to you. If I can look like I'm above you, sort of suppress you, maybe that's a game that Christians play. I hope not. <clears throat> I think if we're not careful, we come across to others that makes them feel like they don't measure up. And I think, um, I know from a source that that has been sort of the feelings of our community at times, that they sit down among us and we feel like we've got it, or it seems like we've got it all together. Everything's hunky-dory, if I can use that term. Uh, we just know where we're going where we're coming and the fact is all of us struggle sometimes and if maybe if the community or those around us brothers and sisters would hear us say where our struggles are we wouldn't come across as we've got it all together and they don't measure up um, I found it interesting, um, Howard Hendricks, once I was listening to him and he was, he was talking about somebody that was excited about a certain portion of scripture that they had uh, found and became acquainted with and were excited about. And I was amazed at his response to them because he knew that scripture very well, inside and out, and yet he displayed himself as excited with them. Um, he didn't lift himself up above, but re rejoiced in their particular thing that they had found, which was sort of a, a not a new thing really. So what kind of games do we play? What kind of things do we do to other people? It's not necessarily unique to this century. Uh, games were present in the first century as well. In fact, our, our passage today here, James, talks about probably a widely played game among Christians and then and are now. It's not too difficult to figure out where it comes from when we think about it. Since the day Satan subtly manipulated by his talk, 
by his superior feeling that he gave to Eve. He destroyed the plan that God really wanted us all to experience in our life. So, um, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and all of us have been born into a nature of the same source that our lives, when we start out, we have a passion for wanting to be God of our own life, our own life, and maybe others too, sometimes. So, um, James talked about that earlier. He explained when it comes to having desires for ourselves, I think it's maybe in chapter 2, I'm not sure. He talks about we can either fight to satisfy them or we can humbly submit and allow God to fulfill them by surrendering to His control. And James urges us with humility, but he knew that many would maybe not choose that for their life. So in verse 11, we start here thinking about what James is trying to communicate to us, to me, uh, speak not evil one of another, and, and I would draw your attention to brethren. He's talking to us as church people, us as us here at Mount Hermon uh, and beyond, of course. Do not speak against, and that speak against uh, is means talking down. You know, and that's exactly the first thing that we do when we... Um, want to raise ourselves up above other people is we try to lower the other person, especially in our mind and also as we talk to others, we lower, we try to get others to lower their estimation of that person as well. Do not speak evil, speak down, don't do that. Um, of our fellow brother or sister in Christ. He's talking to the brother. Um, that's the first thing we do is try to talk down on them to create maybe uh, a group of our own, sort of a group of the same opinion is what we would like to see. We'd like to have that in, in our life. <clears throat> Anytime we can get support for wrong, uh, it feels better, doesn't it? And of course, we often do that when others aren't listening or the person we're talking about is not there to defend themselves. Uh, of course not. And often we're not those people that are talking down about that person really don't care about the accuracy that they have in telling you the story. It's just not a good thing all around. 
And, you know, I have thought about this as I, as I read this. Uh, it's covered up with phony words like, stop me if I'm wrong. <coughs> I really don't mean to be critical about this person. Uh, things like that, they use this cliche um, before they go on and say what they want, or maybe they say, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe if you feel like you shouldn't say it, you shouldn't say it. Just don't say it. Uh, care about your brother would be the other side of it for sure. Um, Jesus gave us some thoughts in Matthew 5.23, and I'm just going to read it here. Therefore, if thou bring that gift to the altar, and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there that gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer your gift, or thy gift. I think... Here it's saying, if you remember that somebody has ought against you, then go to that brother or sister and talk to them. Reconcile that thing. I think it could be the other way. If you have something against somebody or you feel like you want to talk down to somebody, go see that person. Talk to them about the issue that you have in your mind about them would certainly be a lot better. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Reconcile that between you and your brother, your sister. And then you can come and worship uh, in a more pleasing way uh, than you can with that sin, I want to call it, in your life. We can't worship when we have sin in our life. James goes on to say, he that speaketh evil of his brother judges his brother and speaketh evil of the law. The word judge here means to condemn. To pronounce condemnation on somebody. If we want to judge somebody in that way, we have to... Um, we have to know everything about them that there is to know. We have to completely understand about this person's thoughts, about his motives, um, everything about him. Can you do that? And the answer is no, we can't do that. We don't know every motive, every action, everything that is going on in the mind and life of somebody else. Only God can know that. Only God possesses that. And so uh, we, we can't pronounce condemnation or judge our brother in that way. Not rightfully. Uh, turn to Matthew 7. Jesus talks about judging here. Matthew 7, and I'll begin here in verse 1, 1 through 5 here. 
Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, the beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam in thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. There's a few things that stick out to me as Jesus was talking here. First of all, um, by what measure we judge, that's what we're going to be judged by. And I think that's other places in uh, Scripture. I think James actually talks about that in one of his first chapters about judging. Uh, how can you judge? You'll be judged as well. And then number two, he talks. Jesus talks about uh, why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye and considereth not the own your own sin and your own life. First of all, we have to get rid of that. We have to get rid of the failures in our own life and in order to help somebody else. It is impossible to think clearly when we're living in sin. We can't think clearly, especially not about spiritual things if our life is... We have sin, or we're, I was going to say, full of sin. Hopefully we're not full of sin. But even if we're in sin of some kind, we cannot help or be successful in helping others with their failures unless we get rid of our own. Then we can see clearly to help somebody, possibly with God's help. Um, so thirdly, he talks about a hypocrite here. Take care of your own sin. Get rid of that sin uh, so you can see clearly to help somebody else. Commentator Curtis uh, Vagan explains, the man who desperately breaks the law thereby dis, uh, discredits the law. In effect, he sets himself above it and declares that it is bad law not worthy to be obeyed. Such a person removes himself from the category of a doer of the law and becomes a judge. Going back to James chapter 4 there, I should have read that verse or made note to it first before I read that. But he says, James talks about it, that we're not a... Uh, he says, but be ye doers of the word and not... I'm sorry, I'm not even in the right chapter here. <clears throat> James says in, it, in verse 11, He that speaketh evil of his brother speaketh evil of the law. What judge was he, what law was he speaking of? And I think what he was talking about is the royal law. law the royal law. To love your neighbor as yourself. 
Uh, and so Curtis here talks about the man who deliberately breaks that law disregards the law. He sets it aside. He sets it as though he was above that law. Uh, James is saying here, you speak evil of the law and judge the law. But if thou be a judge of the law, thou art not a doer of that law, the royal law, but a judge. So we need to be careful in the things that we do about not allowing our life to display the royal law. The law that says, I will care about you. I will take care of you. I will help you when you need help. Uh, that's the royal law of loving your neighbors yourself. The things that you would do for yourself, you would do that and more for the, the person that you're trying to help. Then you're a doer of the law. James says, if you're not, you hate the law or you disregard the law. <clears throat> and he goes on to say why it is important for us to do that because there is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judges another and gives the idea of why do you set yourself up? Why are you above the law? Um, there is only one person that, and that's Jesus Christ, God Himself, that can um, determine whether we're living the law or not. Yes, we can see people's lives and what they live. And we know that some things you can clearly see that the Bible judges and says it's sin. And so those things are. <clears throat> but it is not for us to judge or condemn, I should say, somebody else. James turns the, the spotlight on us to look at our own life, to think about our own life, what we are considering for the other person. Why do we think we have authority above the other person? <clears throat> and then verse 13, uh, in some ways I thought maybe this is a different subject, and yet... I don't think it is. It's sort of a continuation of what James is thinking about. He says, go, go to now that you say today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. I think it is also talking about the person that sets himself up above God. Now we say we wouldn't think of doing that and I hope we don't. Um, We could imagine what James is maybe trying to say is 
is imagine yourself as the final authority, and we aren't, but imagine yourself as the final authority, and then we live like it, like we are not responsible to God at all. Uh, if you think about this, this verse, go to now that say, tomorrow we will do this or that. Uh, it takes God completely out of your life. You don't depend on Him. Uh, you don't even recognize His existence. If we think about verse 13, if thinking about go now, Tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. Number one, you selfishly choose your time. Uh, tomorrow we will do this. Well, will you? This 22-year-old was going to a wedding, I think. Um, he had plans, but he didn't get there. You don't choose your time, but here it says today or tomorrow. So you're choosing your time. You're deciding on your own that you will go to a certain place and place yourself into a certain city as number two. You choose where you go. You plan where you go. You don't consider God in that. Even you choose the amount of time that you will spend there. Um, what does it say here? Um, and continue there a year. And you also decide you're going to have a business. You're going to buy and sell and do the things that you want to do to make money and get gain. You boast about it, that you're going to be successful. You predict that you're going to be successful and gaining, that's taking God completely out of the picture. We don't know those things. Um, I don't think James is, is uh, condemning planning. We all need to plan. So we ask, what is he saying? It's when we get that horizontal thinking that presumptuously plans as though God doesn't even exist. And James gives us several reasons why we can never win playing God in our own life. Um, verse 14, whereas you know not what is on tomorrow. No, we don't. We don't know what's tomorrow. How often in even little things do we have our planned day and something else pops up and we say, well, that sure wasn't in my plan, but that's, that's what I did that day. It may not be anything bad or uh, it just wasn't what you planned. Well, there's even bigger things sometimes that come along. We don't know what's on tomorrow. Uh, for what is your life? It's even a a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. And I'll tell you, when you get older and you think about life from 
Well, when you get older, you think a lot more about how fast it's gone. The vapor, it's just a puff of smoke that disappears in the air. It vanishes it. So uh, we don't know that. We don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. It appears for a little time and then it <coughs> vanishes away. What will we do with our life? What will you do with your life while you have it? We know it's short. Verse 15 gives us an example of what we ought to think about. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And certainly we all do, and I think you do understand that tomorrow's not promised to us. We, we do what we can, and if the Lord gives us life, we will, um, we will try to do what we can in our life to please Him and to live for Him. Verse 16, for now you rejoice, rejoice, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Uh, those things, when we don't stop and recognize God, and that God is in everything that we do, we're doing our own thing, James is saying, that's evil. And we boast in those things. Such rejoicing is evil because we don't know what God's plan is for our life. And lastly, he says there, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I think first of all, we must know what is right what is the right thing to do? We must stop and evaluate our own life. And whatever the cost is, in the light of truth of God's Word, we allow Him to change us, to move us, to direct us, and give us uh, the knowledge and the spirit to do the right thing. To allow God to lead our life. <clears throat> Secondly, yes, we must start to do the right thing. Take what we have learned from God's Word and begin practicing. Stop running down <laughs> others, snubbing them. Let God do the judging. Let's learn to submit to God and His Word and His way. Certainly, here is where we will be productive in our Christian life, where we allow God to move and have our life knowing that He is in control. He is the one that picks the time when we are born. He picks the time when we are taken away. And what we do between that time is, is what's important what we allow God to work in our life. We must give our life to Him, for sure, uh, if we're going to be worth um, living for Him. If we can share with others 
in some way. It is because God is living in our life. And we don't necessarily control our life at all. May God bless you as you live your life, as you think about it and, and share with others. Let's try to have our response in the royal law, loving one another, caring about one another, truly. Um, not just on the surface or have a good facade, but that we truly in our heart love one another. Let's have a song.